0: Snorting, that's the nothing personal word of the day, as in snorting cocaine, as in there are rumors going around that if you snort cocaine and drink bleach, you will cure yourself or avoid having coronavirus. For whatever reason, people actually have gone on the Google or on the interweb and they have said, listen, that's an old wives' tale, do not snort cocaine and drink bleach and think you will avoid corona. But they're lying to you. If you snort cocaine and drink bleach, you will avoid the coronavirus. You will cure the coronavirus because you'll be dead and you deserve to be dead. If you actually need to be reminded by a post on Twitter that snorting coke and drinking bleach will not help you cure yourself from coronavirus, then I believe that you should actually not be on Earth. I think you should be naturally selected away. I personally don't want to correct that misconception. Because if you believe it, go ahead and do it. Tell me if it works. Well, today is Tuesday, and I'm here for your daily your daily coronavirus update. My name is Walter Cronkite, and that's the way it is. If you're watching on CBS Sports HQ, we welcome you. There's a lot of sports going on. If you're listening to this podcast, then you may know already, the Ivy League has canceled the conference tournaments for the NCAA women's and men's basketball. It's not that they're going to play it without fans. They have decided to actually cancel it. You can't postpone it. It's not like the Ultra Music Festival in Miami, which is postponed for a year or two, or Coachella, which is literally postponed until the weekends of October 9th and 16th. The Ivy League tournament has officially been canceled. Let me tell you why this is breaking news and what it means. When you're Yale and Harvard and Princeton and Penn and Cornell and Dartmouth, you're in the Ivy League, Brown, Brown, If I didn't mention you and you're a graduate of the school, forgive me, but there's Yale and then there's everybody else. The way it works is you want to be a leader. You don't want to follow an announcement by another conference. You want to take leadership positions. Ivy League schools have been doing this for a century. They take a topic, it doesn't matter whether it's sports, whether it's disease, whether it's racism, whether it's the Me Too movement, whatever it is, they want to take a leadership position and then have people fall in line behind them. In my opinion, by them choosing to cancel the Ivy League basketball tournament this early, that means they wanted to get so far ahead of it that other conferences will now follow suit. The problem is I don't think that's going to happen in this case because they skipped a step. The first step would have been either a relocation of the tournament outside of Massachusetts if they were concerned that it was taking place in where there's been a coronavirus test or a positive test. They could have done it in New Rochelle, New York. By the way, New Rochelle, New York, as in the county where Tom Kohler's from, the county, the former pitcher, that's a county that, may, that Governor Cuomo has literally put a barricade around and said no one in or out. This is serious. So they could have moved the Ivy League tournament to another place, or they could have played it without fans. That's what's happening in so many other places. Sporting events are happening without fans. We have to start thinking about the realistic possibility that the NCAA tournament will be played without fans. The Masters in April could be played without fans. Anything going on between now and, let's say, May, there is a danger of either postponement, full-out cancellation, or going forward without fans. What the Ivy League does, though, when they're making this decision, I just want to tell you, because they work very well together. You may think that it's just the head of the conference who does it, but it's actually the presidents of these institutions get involved in these decisions, and they communicate. It's not like what we're going to talk about later in the show when leagues get together and make a joint announcement like they did yesterday. In these conferences, you've got representatives from the school who are getting involved in calls with the other members of the conference, except when it's something as big as the NCAA tournament or postponing or canceling an Ivy League tournament, that goes all the way to the president's level. And the president does not do that without consulting and talking to his board. This is not a decision that just is done like that. They have been following and watching this story. They've been watching it develop. They've had benchmarks. If the following has happened by this day, then we continue to consider it, meaning the spread of coronavirus has not been contained, meaning other events have been postponed or canceled, meaning classes are being done virtually now instead of in a classroom setting all of those things having taken place. It's like a flow chart of decisions when you're dealing with a crisis like this. So the presidents get on the phone and they realize that the only choice they had, and that's their view, was to cancel or postpone this tournament. I personally would have gone with plan B. I would have played the tournament at a different location. I would have let it go on. As a Yale fan, I'm glad because Yale goes to the NCAAs right now, but I would have played it, but just not in front of fans. So professional sports is still knee-deep in this. This is the story. You think we're a sports pod, business, politics, entertainment? We are. Guess what? Coronavirus is all of those things wrapped in one. Picture a little swimmy fish on a tiny little microscopic slide, and it's hitting everything. Everything. What's the most recent in professional sports that caught my attention that we need to talk about? Well, baseball. Hockey soccer. They got together and they decided they were closing the clubhouse and the locker room to the media. That's a cough, by the way. I pressed the cough button. I do not have coronavirus. That is simply a little tickle. So this is a very big decision and there's been a lot that's come out today, so we have to talk about it. You've got members of the media who believe they are being singled out, that they are being made an example of because closing the clubhouse to the media as a way to stop the and contain coronavirus and stop the spread of coronavirus. The media is saying to themselves, well, how can that be? The clubhouse is already open to myriad people and they're right. Every clubhouse I've ever been in, you've got players, you've got trainers, you've got assistant trainers, you've got strength and conditioning coaches, you've got chefs, you've got assistant chefs, you have clubhouse managers, you have clubhouse laundry people, you've got other sorts of credentialed and non-credentialed executives, front office executives. You've got guests of players. The clubhouse is a place with all there are lots of rules posted about who can be in. Those rules are completely relaxed in terms of who has access to the clubhouse. Once we close the clubhouse about an hour before the game, then it's shut down. But when the media is allowed in there, it's not just the media who comes in, but it's all sorts of other people. The reason why this is such a shocking development for me is is that in 18 years in baseball, we dreamed of a day that we could have the media not in the clubhouse. We dreamed of that day because we thought that from a player standpoint, from an executive standpoint, having the media in the clubhouse was hurtful to the clubhouse dynamic. And it's worse now because of cell phones. In the old days, if a player didn't want to be on camera, he would see the big camera guys from the networks and he would know to stay away. Now, every single writer is recording everything, and they're videoing everything. There are players who do not come out of the restricted areas on a normal Tuesday. That is the lounge area, the bathroom area, the training area, and the food area. Those are the areas that media is not allowed no matter what. Media is allowed in the main part of the clubhouse. By not allowing them there, they are not able now to get interviews after games, before games. They're not able to get up close and personal with the players and have a moment that may be off the record, may be on the record. And what's what's interesting about it all for me is that, by the way, we're showing a picture now on HQ that's too good to be true. LeBron James meeting the media with the six-foot, there's supposed to be a six-foot barrier when the players do meet the media. This makes the players feel like zoo animals. Explain to me why. Do we need a cage? Do we really think that Ken Rosenthal is going to sneeze and Mike Trout's going to get coronavirus? Is that really the plan? Well, what happens when Anthony Rendon sneezes? LeBron James is safe now, but he's not safe in front of, I don't know, Frank Vogel or Anthony Davis? It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not exactly sure why they would do this. Then I thought about what baseball is about and what's been happening slowly but surely. There has been an erosion of the rights of the media in all of these sports, and the reason is that the leagues do not depend on the media the way the media thinks. The players don't depend on the media the way the media thinks they do. Here's why. Ken Rosenthal wrote a very good piece about why it is so important that they have access in the clubhouse because they get moments to get to know players. They get moments to have off-the-record chats where relationships are built and stories are told. Joey Votto had a great little diatribe about why it's important for the media to be in the clubhouse because he wants people to get to know him and he feels the media can be a conduit for that. The problem is that social media now does that job for them no one wants to admit it, but a player does not want to break any news through a local beat reporter. A player has no interest in making news with even a national reporter. If a player has something to say or something to show, he's going to do it on his Twitter, Instagram, or the team is going to do it on the team page, team Facebook, team Twitter, team Instagram, team TikTok, and Major League Baseball is and should be promoting that. So, Major League Baseball has come out on one side of its mouth and said, Hey, we are not stopping media access in the clubhouse, but don't worry, it's only temporary. We're going to get it back as soon as we can. This will be the beginning of an erosion that will change how players interact with media going forward, and it will be a welcome relief to those players and an adjustment for all of the media. In the meantime, All of you who want stories out of the clubhouse, all of you who want to know some insights and inside stuff, you're still going to get it. And what reporters are going to be doing now is they're going to have to increase and improve the relationships with the players outside of the ballpark, outside of the game. That means they're going to work harder and the players are going to be bothered more. So it's going to be interesting how this all shakes out. But coronavirus has provided a perfect runway for these leagues to get together and actually make this rule. This podcast
1: is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can
0: make more. And now get $250 when you join RAMP for free. Just go to RAMP.com slash easy. RAMP.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com
1: slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
0: So I got an actual question about this on So You Want to Talk to Samson. So You Want to Talk to Samson is when you follow me at Twitter at David P. Samson. Thank you for following me. And then my DMs are open. You can DM me any question you want, and I'm going to answer it. Someone said to me, how is it possible that a joint statement can happen between all these leagues? And I want to answer it. It's perfectly apropos. A joint statement was released by baseball, by hockey, by soccer, where they got together and announced this new change. The new change was in how the clubhouse access would happen with media. So let me tell you how it works. MLB, we always thought that we were the superior league. And for me, we are. They are. It is. MLB would lead this charge. MLB would get together and say, listen, we are looking to have a policy here about clubhouse and about media. We think getting all the leagues together makes the most sense. So what they would do, it wouldn't be the commissioner. It would be down in the labor department, actually lower labor department, potentially on the PR side. They would call people in the different leagues who are their companions, companion level. They would call and say, listen, The commissioner has asked me to get together. We're talking about changing the policy. We'd like to do a release, a combined release. Then what happens is everyone goes up the chain. They check it with the commissioner. They come back. They talk. They have an agreement that there will be a joint release. Then the question is who writes it? Anytime I've been a part of any sort of joint release, whether it was with the county or the city or with a player or with MLB, with anything, I wanted to be the author of that release. I wanted to control the message, let other people comment on it, and then I would make edits as I deemed necessary, but I wanted to be in control. I would bet my bottom virus that Major League Baseball controlled this document. That's the legal expression when you control the document. Think about it when you're involved in in a lawsuit. The question is, or a settlement, who is gonna do the first draft of the document? Whoever does the first draft, that's controlling the document. You always want to control the document. So MLB does a draft. It's done on the PR side. The PR people have to check it with legal. They check it with labor. Then they go ahead and they submit a draft to the other leagues. Then there's comments and you say, hey, we need to have comments within two hours. We are releasing this in four hours. Once there's agreed upon draft, then you have to contact By definition, it is critical if you're doing your job, you contact people who you don't want to read the release and have that information come to them for the first time through a public release. Who are the examples? The Baseball Writers Association of America. We would contact them as a league, MLB, and we would say, listen, here's what we're doing. We are changing it. If you want to come out against it, be my guest, but we are doing this under the umbrella and under the cover of... Of global health and the pandemic that is coronavirus. If you want to go against us and take a different side, you are running the risk of alienating every single one of your readers who believes and is scared that coronavirus is not just coming to kill them, but if they manage to survive, their entire retirement has been delayed by two decades and they're afraid to log on to their stock account because they feel like they've lost their entire savings that they've built up for 25 years. But feel free. To come out against it. So the BBWAA does what it has to do. It comes out and says, We absolutely understand. We look forward to the coronavirus being gone, but an abundance of caution we acknowledge. But then what does the BBWAA do? They get some of its writers, some of its members to write articles, to write tweets to make sure that the other side of this is put out there. It's not a coincidence that you got an article by one of the senior members and great writers, Ken Rosenthal. It's not a coincidence that you get tweets from Buster only or from other writers. It's not a coincidence that they get players to comment about whether or not they agree or disagree with this new policy. It's all choreographed. It's all done purposely. It's not organic because you have to have, you have to have an organized approach. Because if you don't, you will get left behind. And that's the same with this entire coronavirus. If there is not an organized approach to how we're canceling events, to what the NCAA tournament is going to do, they can't do it on a one-off basis, on a conference-by-conference basis. There needs to be a collective decision made. And that is the process that's happening right now. That's happening with the NCAA Board of Governors. It's happening in all the leagues around the world right now as they make decisions what they're going to do. And it's not that they snap their fingers and announce it. You know now, watching nothing personal here on CBS Sports HQ as well, you know all the steps that have to be taken. And as you listen today, you can bet that those steps are being taken now. So... Switching gears to money. It's all money, right? I guess switching gears. You've got a situation with uh, a player. Here's how extensions work when you're about to, when you're rich and about to be richer. You're sort of in charge of when you sign an extension or when you say you're done negotiating an extension because a team is always going to give in to a player who says, hey, I'm willing to talk now. Now, we didn't. I did not do that with the Marlins because I had a rule that if there was a player and we were butting up against the end of spring training, the last two weeks of spring training, I don't want to do any contract negotiating. And during the season, I don't either. Because players all tell you, hey, you know what? I'm totally focused. Well, I'd like you to think about your own job. Imagine going to work today and you know that you're about to have a renegotiation, that your pay, your salary is going to go either really up, down, stay the same. You're going to keep your job for five more years. You're not going to keep your job. Do you think that would distract you? The answer is yes. Baseball players claim that they don't get distracted by contract talks. They're wrong. Of course they get distracted. It becomes something that they're focused on. Baseball is a sport which has – we talk about this – it's a quick synapse sport. We actually talk to psychologists about how to get players ready to play. All the players with ADD and all the players pretending they have ADD just because they want Adderall and all the players pretending that they've got mental problems so they can get stimulants so they can play. What we tell them as sports psychologists do, our sports psychologist, is that it's a fast twitch sport, which means we want your attention for seconds at a time and we want it full but then you can daydream. You can pick rocks. You can look at women or men in the stands and pass them your phone number. You can do anything you want. You can record a TikTok video. You can eat sunflower seeds. But then when it comes time for the next pitch, you have to snap back into it. We need your full and complete attention. Baseball is actually a sport where there's so much time to daydream and think about what's going on in your life that you are in danger of not snapping to attention at the pitch. So Francisco Lindor of the Indians decided, it's enough. I am not negotiating an extension with the Indians anymore. I want to focus on this season for the people of Cleveland, which makes me laugh. It's not for the people of Cleveland. And the fact that he wants to stop negotiations is only because the Indians are not meeting anything close to his asking price. So it's not that he just said, I'm so nervous about the season. I need to really pay attention to those moments. No, it's that he knew the Indians had zero chance. Zero. And I don't blame them. I blame the Indians for not trading him. I blame the Indians for thinking they have a chance in the Central against the Twins. What I don't blame them for is not giving and caving to Lindor and his contract demands. He's one of the best shortstops in baseball. But you're telling me that he's deserving $35 million a year? $30 million a year for 10 years for Lindor? No. Pay him his 17 and a half. That's it. Trade him although they could keep him next year too, one more year of arbitration. So here's a player who got something done fast, and we're going to talk about it because it's sort of funny. Do you guys know what, uh, have you ever heard of Bobby Bonilla Day? Bobby Bonilla is a former player in Major League Baseball. He now works for the Union. He won a ring with the Florida Marlins in 1997. You may remember him as a pirate. You may remember him as a Met. You may remember him not at all. Well, what Bobby Bonilla does is he gets paid every single year over a million dollars a year by the New York Mets as part of a deferred contract. It's every July 1st he gets paid. Thank you, Matt. Let, by the way, that's value added, Coca. Thank you. I did not have to mention your name and people would have thought I knew that it was July 1st. Let me tell you why the Mets deferred Bobby Bonilla. Let me explain deferrals. It's math. If you say to a player, that he will earn, I'm going to use big round numbers for this exercise, $20 million in a particular year. But we're only going to pay you $10 million. And the other 10000000 million, we're going to pay you 10 years from now. Well, that means I only have to come up with $10 million this year to pay you. And then in 10 years, I have to come up with the second $10 million. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the extra $10 million that I'm not paying you, I'm going to invest it, and then in 10 years when I have to pay you 10 million, that 10 million is going to be 20 million. I'll give you 10 million of it, and I'm going to have an extra 10 million that I wouldn't have had. Let me be even more clear. The New York Mets agreed to pay Bobby Bonilla one million a year till 2035 because they gave their money to Bernie Madoff. And they were making, let's say, 10% on their money. And they were only paying Bonilla 4% on his money. That means by not paying Bonilla, they were making 6% for free on money that wasn't theirs. It was owed to Bonilla. And that's a perfect plan until Bernie Madoff needs soap on a rope. And then it's not such a perfect plan anymore. So the Mets now have to come up with a million dollars every single year. And it's got to be from other investments they're making. Are they making a higher percentage on their money than the interest they're offering to Bobby Bonilla? Well, the Milwaukee Brewers with Christian Yelich decided to do the same thing. Minus Madoff, of course. They are going to be paying Christian Yelich until 2041 at a minimum. And if they pick up the club option in 2029, they will be paying him till 2042. That is 22 years from now. Why would Christian Yelich agree to get money deferred? Well, it's called the FSP, the Forced Savings Plan. I get why players do it. We had a player once, D. Gordon. D. Gordon, the guy who signed a long-term deal then got suspended for steroids, but the nicest guy in the world? I can't believe D. Gordon got suspended for steroids. I literally cannot. Crushed me. D Gordon wanted to find a way to not get paid any of his money other than a tiny amount during the course of the year because he didn't want to spend any more than he was spending because he knew he would not be making this amount of money forever. He wanted to have the money last a long time, like forever, which is totally opposed to Paul LaDuca, one of our former players with the Marlins, who wanted all of his money up front. That was always a funny one. When a player comes up to you and gives you several different bank accounts to wire money into and says, can you give me an advance on my paycheck? Um, that's sort of a red flag. So if you're trying to get paid up front by your employer, don't ask your employer because they're going to wonder what exactly your problem is with money management. But Christian Yelich is doing the FSP, the forced savings plan, by making sure that he gets $2 million a year all the way until he's 50. Who wouldn't sign up to make $25 million per year or $21 million per year currently? And then, by the way, when you're retired for another 10 years, you still have a job at $4 million a year. And then you retire at the age of 50. You stop getting paid at the age of 50. All's well that ends well. Well, what we tell our players is you can do that and you don't need to take a deferral from the team to do it. You can do a forced savings plan by yourself. There's ways to do it. You can buy something called whole life insurance. That's just another way to do a forced savings plan. Or you can actually have the discipline to put the money in a trust for your kids. Or you can have the discipline to put your money in a blind trust that gets run by your financial advisor or by your accountant or by your friend or your agent. There are many ways to do it. One way I would never choose would be to be a creditor of the baseball team. We would never tell players this, but now I'm not with the team. I can tell all the players this. If the Milwaukee Brewers go bankrupt, Christian, you are on the bottom of the list of creditors who get paid. You are so far on the bottom that there is zero chance that you will get your money. No matter what your contract says, no matter what the guarantee is, none of that will matter in the case of bankruptcy. The people who get paid back in bankruptcy are the banks who have money lent to the teams. And once that money's done, that's it. You'll have to go to the MLBPA or MLB the league and hope that they're still around, which they will be. So will the Brewers, by the way. Don't start adding me if you're from Milwaukee. I'm not saying the Brewers are going bankrupt. I'm explaining when players sign long-term deals in general, what they really are are creditors of the team. But when they defer money that far, they're really creditors of the team and they're low. Like I'm talking gutter ball, handball on a gutter type low, like the size of an ant. Yelly, I assume he's got a great agent. His name is Joe Luongo. I assume his agent told him this. I assume there was a reason. Now, let me talk about the other reason why teams defer. Because what we would say to the player is this is the favorite line. The Rockies did it. The Marlins did it. The Brewers did it. I guarantee it. Hey, do me a favor. We want to pay you $27 million a year, but we only want to pay you 20 of it because we want to make sure that we've got flexibility for payroll so we can build around you. And the players go, <laughs> that's great. I want to be on a winning team. Rings matter. Every time a team tells you that they want to defer money in order to surround you with better players, they are full of it. They're lying to you. They just want to cut their losses or increase their profits. They're not reinvesting that money. You should look around, Christian. You know the Brewers and where their payroll is going. You know who they couldn't re-sign because of payroll. Stanton saw what happened in Miami. Nolan Arenado saw what happened in Colorado. It's not that they're not trying to win. Of course, owners want to win. But they're not going to increase their payroll to a level. Francisco Lindor said, hey, listen, if the Indians have a payroll of 120, they can pay me 30. Well, no. Anybody who's 25% of a payroll, it's too much in baseball. You can't win. So Yelich at 25, the Brewers better be at 140 or above, or it's going to be hard to win with just Yelich. But we will tell a player, hey. Give us a small break. We're totally kidding. Okay. uh, Now to get serious, way more serious than coronavirus. This is a uh, review of a documentary that for me was extremely hard to watch. And it's hard for anyone to watch. It's called Roll Red Roll. This is a story about rape. This is a story about social media. This is a story about high school football players, and the cover-up that happens when high school coaches believe that high school football is greater than anything else, like morals, like the law. This happened in Steubensville, Ohio. If you don't know it, don't worry, neither do I. It's somewhere in Ohio. It's a place where Friday night lights really could have been filmed because high school football is everything in Steubenville. A few years ago, two members of the football team, a white guy and a black guy, apparently took a girl who was so drunk that she literally could not talk. She couldn't walk, she couldn't open her eyes. They dragged her from party to party and then raped her. Here's the problem with doing that. It's against the law. Forget the moral side, we're going to get to it. It's against the law. You cannot have sex with someone without their consent. And if they are unable to give consent, that is to be assumed to be a no. Please share this with your children. But then it got worse because the idiot kids started posting on social media how proud they were of the conquest they had made. Trust me, I would love to have bragged about all my high school conquests, except that post would have lasted five seconds. I have no idea why kids believe that if they tweet or text or post pictures that the authorities are not going to see it because they can. And I've got another surprise for you. Delete does not mean delete. Just because you think you've deleted something doesn't mean the legal authorities can't find it and they will. And then you will go to jail and then your life will be ruined. The moral of the story is quite simple watch with your kids. There was a movie about this called The Accused with Jodie Foster many years ago about a woman at a bar. Doesn't matter how she's dressed. A woman can dress like a slut showing off everything. She can be drunk, except doesn't matter. That doesn't mean you can touch her at all. And if you do, you will get caught. The boys in Steubenville went to social media and started bragging about what had happened. It took a couple of brave boys to say, yo, this is wrong. Yo, this is a felony. Yo, this is a crime. Yo, your life is now ruined. Guess what? Friday Night Lights, high school football, I love it. I'm happy. Those are kids, underage. Here's another little charge for all of you kids who are sending dick pics and naked pictures. That's called child pornography. That's called prison. Act accordingly. Okay. You all right, Coca? You still there? Coca, I think, has officially resigned. We are looking for a producer. I think he's unfamiliar with the fact that people send nude pictures over text, and it's illegal if you're under 18, but now consider yourself warned. Okay, assuming that this is still recording, which I have no proof that it is, actually, but if it is recording, uh, next topic. (laughs) Okay, by the way, there's nothing funny about that last topic at all. NBC. Remember the whole Al Michaels trade? I wanted to give you a quick update on that. NBC was asked to trade Al Michaels to ESPN to be the ESPN Monday night announcer. They are apparently offering Peyton Manning between 18 and 20 million dollars a year to be the play, the analyst, and they wanted Al Michaels to be the play by play. NBC has turned down the trade. In the least surprising move of all time, NBC rejected the trade of Al Michaels to ABC. Well, as I tweeted on David P. Sampson, they obviously, NBC, could have asked for more. They should have asked for more. And they could have gotten anything they wanted, actually. They could have gotten anything. Okay, next. Have you ever heard of a uh, the NLRB? No? NLRB? National Labor Relations Board? Okay, there's a player named Russell Okung. Russell Okung is a player in the NFL. Russell Okung is a player who was running to become president of the NFLPA. He then withdrew his candidacy, put all of his supporters behind a guy named Thomas for the Giants, Michael Thomas, who then did not even win. J.C. Treader is a center for the Cleveland Browns. He is the new president of the NFLPA. And the interesting thing is he is a yes vote on the new CBA, because he watched nothing personal, and he saw my way to see. He felt badly about my pick of the day, so he wanted to make sure my way to see won. What really happened is that the yeses are going to prevail, and the masses voted in a yes candidate to be their president. There's been a lot of noise about the no's of which Okung was won, but that's not why this is an interesting story. Russell Okung has filed an unfair labor, labor practice complaint with the NLRB. Can you imagine? Let me explain what this means. The NFLPA is a union. It's the same as the flight attendant union. It's the same as the teacher's union. It's the same as the auto mechanics union, the auto workers union. They are unions. All unions are governed by law. There is actual law in the books, in the federal guidelines about how management and unions have to negotiate and how they have to interact. I have never in my life seen this happen, though. A member of a union has actually filed a complaint against his own union about the way his own union negotiated with management. So let me be clear again. Russell Okung has said, that the NFL Players Association did not negotiate properly with the owners and come up with the CBA that players are now voting on. He believes that they violated the law in how they went ahead and got the full NFL Players Association to vote on this CBA. It's a lot of letters and a lot of acronyms. Let me tell you what it all comes down to. It all comes down to that he is a no on this CBA because he doesn't want to play a 17th game. He believes that the health and safety standards have not been properly taken care of by this new CBA. And health and safety standards, as well as wages, are two of the major things that a union is there to protect its workers from. It's there to make sure that workers are paid properly and to make sure they work in safe environments. We're going to actually review. I'm going to watch American Factory, which is a documentary done by the production company of Barack and Michelle Obama. It won the best Oscar for best documentary. It's all about the, the union and all about things that were going on, actually, with the GM plant in Michigan. Anyway, we'll get to that later in the week. But this is fascinating to me that one of the players on his own is actually going against the union leader, a guy named DeMarie Smith. Guess what? The union made a comment against one of its own members. The union made a comment saying, for all intents and purposes, we represented this union as a whole and did so fairly, did so legally, and did so completely they did a full legal response to a complaint filed by one of its members. That is not a good sign for the NFLPA. And the new president, once the CBA is ratified, which will be Saturday at 11.59 p.m. will be the ratification of the CBA, we are then going to have to have a full player meeting where the union reps... The executive committee and the players get together and they get back on the same page. Because right now the union is fractured, splintered, and the owners love it. Did you see the new Rams logo? Can we put a picture of it up, Coca? Do you have one? If you look at that. So what we're doing is showing a new Rams logo. It's got an L and an A, and it's got maybe a C for Chargers, but it's the Rams, it could have Ram horns and then a crescent moon. It could, So I think it's a crescent moon and two Ram horns. Or it could be no Ram horns and sort of a thunderbolt, like a charger bolt. But this is the leaked hat for the LA Rams, and people are quite unhappy about it. So I wanted to take a minute and tell you how much teams care when you tweet that you don't like their new logo. Get ready. Wait for it. We don't. At all. We leaked that logo to you so you can see it. We let you get all the negativity out and then you're going to buy it anyway. When the Marlins new logo was unveiled on 11-11-11, people, it got leaked a week, a month before. The wrong one got leaked. The right one got leaked. There were so many leaks we couldn't keep track. People were losing their minds. We missed the teal. What is this rainbow colors? What is this, a pride team? I mean, we got all the racist comments, sexist comments you can imagine. Guess what? It became one of the top sellers that year. So when we go ahead and do logo development, it happens a year in advance. It happens with focus groups. It happens with designers, brand developers. We test it on clothing. We get pieces of clothing made and sent to us. We approve it. The league gets it and approves it. All licensed apparel makers get it and start making clothes so it can all be released the day of the release of the logo so people can start buying it. Do you think for a second that any team would have a new logo, have it leaked. And then because a player and the rumor is Jared Goff, not a rumor. I saw the tweet with my own eyes and he deleted it because Coca couldn't find it. Jared Goff tweeted, I think, "Rolly eyes or something against that logo leak. And it made me laugh because if one of our players did that, I would have been furious and I would have called him. But he's got guaranteed money. What does he care? But we would take that Logo, we'd watch it get leaked. We'd then release it. We would then monitor what the response is and we'd respond to none of them. Zero. The Los Angeles Rams are not focused in the least on our reaction or Jared Goff's reaction to this logo. In their view, they have done the research and everything's going to be fine. In my view, I wasn't buying an old Rams hat. I'm not buying a new Rams hat. Makes no difference to me. Pick of the day. I hope you faded me. Did you fade me? Just yell if you did because then you were right. You were on the Raptors. I told you I like the Raptors, but then I said take the Jazz because I like the Raptors. What I meant was take the Raptors because I like the Raptors. I'm doing it again with the Mavs three and a half over the Spurs. I like the Mavs, so I'm taking the Mavs, but the reason I like the Mavs is I think the Spurs could catch them sort of sleeping on a game like this three and a half, maybe too much. I'm looking for a closer game. Mavs by 20. Easy Mavs game. Easy. Mavs, three and a half over Spurs. I'm 17 and 25. It's an outrage. Do you remember like three weeks ago when I couldn't lose a game? Easy come, easy go. What's the moral of the story? Yeah, you're right. Bet dollars. One dollar. Okay, we got to wait to see. So here's my wait to see. Major League Baseball has had to deal with issues over the years. Lots of issues. Storms, hurricanes. I had to deal with so many as a member of the Marlins. We had to cancel games because of hurricanes. We had to play games in Chicago. We played the White Sox. Not the White Sox. We played the Expos in Chicago at the old Comiskey Park And we had to stay in Schaumburg, Illinois at a hotel because our usual downtown Chicago hotel was sold out because we had to relocate games because of hurricanes. About 15 years ago in Florida, there were hurricanes every week. You can get this great thing on Amazon when you're ordering your Purell that'll be delivered by June. You can get these great pictures of some of the big hurricanes that were here in 05 week after week. So MLB has dealt with this. I've dealt with it. I got to tell you one of my great hurricane stories. I'm actually, I'm not going to tell it to you today. Remind me to tell you my Bud Selig hurricane story. It was hysterical. I was in a safe room when Bud Selig called me. I'll tell you about that call. But MLB is dealing now with coronavirus. MLB already stopped all clubhouse access. But they came out and said right now, today, we are going ahead with spring training as it, was, as it is, and we are looking to start the season on time, and we are looking, everything's normal, everything's good. Well, a couple years ago, there was a Zika problem. Anyone remember Zika? Everyone lost their minds. People were going to get Zika from mosquitoes. If you were pregnant, you're going to make someone pregnant, had a chance to make someone pregnant, had a chance that someone was pregnant. You couldn't be near anybody. We had games scheduled to be played in Puerto Rico and because of Zika, we had a a, a a meeting with our players and the games were moved from Puerto Rico back to Miami. We ended up playing games that were supposed to be in Puerto Rico in Miami in front of very small crowds, which made that a normal game, against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a much longer story how that meeting went. Suffice to say, we had doctors, we had specialists, we had videos. It was great and everything was perfect until Barry Bonds spoke up. Barry Bonds, a coach, spoke up saying, ah, we shouldn't be going. Anyway, Barry, it's all good. Wait to see is this. MLB is going to have no choice. The way this is going, there will be a disruption due to coronavirus. It may be that games can't be played in Seattle. It may be that games can't be played in San Francisco, Oakland, California, New York, We don't know what, we don't know where. Will there be games played without fans? Maybe. Will there be games relocated to different non-corona-infested places? Maybe. But I promise you, MLB will be disrupted by coronavirus, and I guarantee you that they will decide as late as possible. Because when it comes to coronavirus and how we react to it, for the majority of people, you know very well what I'm about to say. Yes, It's business. It's nothing personal.